Bah humbug, secret keepers. Tis the season for games and friends and family. While in most years I would be feeling cheerful and wishing you a happy time settling Catan or being coordinated in Tokyo, this year Danny has activated my long dormant edgelord who only wants to inflict you with familial arguments over joke taste in Cards Against Humanity and friendship-ending resentments over rent and rules during Games of Monopoly. So let's round out the year with the ultimate phone-in episode for any podcast. Let's open up the mailbag to your questions and get this over with. That and so much more on today's episode of the Mega Moth Studios Super Secret Podcast. Shh, don't bother telling anybody about it. Because it's not worth it. Welcome back to the show, Secret Keepers. I'm your host, amateur cuddle historian, Joel Watts, joined, as always, by... Professional cuddle historian, Danny. I, I really would dispute that argument. You know, I think we could go to the mat on some facts, but we'll see. And this week, we, Danny and I, are going to be opening up the mailbag to your listener questions, and we're also going to ask each other a few burning questions to get us into the holiday spirit. Now, since it's a mailbag episode, Danny, I'm going to ask you, are you ready, ready for the questions of the week? Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. those, there's those braces getting in the way again. Let's start out with a, a, a nice holiday, uh, just seasonal um, mood setter. Simple enough. Danny, what is your favorite holiday beverage? My favorite holiday beverage is probably eggnog. Okay. Well, my like, brother's a big uh, fan. He is. Well, yeah, Stephen. Well, Stephen's a man of great taste. Yeah, he is. I think he would buy it year-round. It's just that it only is really available during the holidays. I wonder if he's available to be a podcast co-host. <laughs> <laughs> he would be very, uh, I, you know, he wouldn't bring the same edge that I bring to the show. I agree. You bring a lot of edge. Okay. You're, you're well, definitely the Lord of Edge. Well, maybe, maybe, just maybe a Christmas miracle can happen that'll really dull that edge and really turn me into just the warmest, great, most gracious co-host of all time. But I doubt I'm not it. Counting on it, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not counting on it. All right. If you're looking for for to me for your Christmas chair, I think uh, you're going to be living on the edge for a long time. Yeah, I think. Okay, so my favorite holiday beverage. Uh, I'm going to go with a naughty and a nice. You know, just to balance things out. And okay. I, I it, my naughty isn't that naughty, but you know, I'm not a big consumer of alcohol around my family. I don't know why, but I tend to do most of my drinking with friends. Or alone. <laughs> Jinx. Yeah, pinch poke, man. Now you got to take a shot. <laughs> I wish. I actually thought about having a, a drink during this episode, like a beer or something, since it's our holiday episode and we're kind of getting loose, but I decided against it. Um, but I do love, if it's cold enough outside, a hot toddy is just an amazing holiday beverage. I, I, I would say I can't get enough of them, but there's definitely a limit on how many I can drink in one go. Um, but yeah, I would if you're. So. If you're feeling, if you're even feeling a little bit of the, you know, the sniffles, you know, the, the sinuses that come to you during this time of year, the, the seasonal cold, it is the go-to beverage, especially you put some honey in there, local honey, you're going to be feeling good. And when I'm with my family, 
you know, when I'm just feeling festive, I can't go wrong with a hot cocoa properly made with some milk. So yeah. What else do you put in that? <laughs> well, marshmallows, of course. Nice. Are they yeah. from Marshallo? Um, you know what? I can't wait to get some uh, Marshallo branded marshmallows. You know, the, that's a, a space of the market that we really need to push Curvin into, uh, you know, infiltrating with his game. You know? Yes. Yes. Curvin, like, you need to get into the marshmallow game. Yeah. Minecraft didn't make a billion dollars just selling a video game. They made a billion dollars selling T-shirts and, you know, toy pickaxes and things like that. Novelty I want to torches. see Curvin become a billionaire selling marshmallows. Yeah, he could be the the emperor of marshmallows. I could totally see it. Yeah. <laughs> King of the marshmallows. And, buy yeah. and sell little folk like us. All right. Well, yeah. that was the the first question. But guess what? Today's episode is going to be made up of all questions. Yes, all questions. Or maybe yeah. I should say, whoops, all questions. Whoops. So, Danny. Whoops. Yeah. Let's do a little bit of back and forth. I have, the, I have a couple of questions that I personally wrote and listener questions. And you have I'm imagining your side is just going to be one long uh something random where I'm just yeah. going to be tormented by question after question that is is impossible to answer without getting canceled in the comments. So, hopefully, yeah. I let's let's see if I can wade into your waters of despair. What is your first question for me or for us? Explain the origin of eggnog. Explain the origin of eggnog. Um I mean the way I look at it, like any food that is made, you know, from the, uh, you know, what we would call traditional is probably like a, a situation where people were really lacking resources, but also not a lot of time to fill with other things. So the resources they did have, they found all these sorts of weird, novel ways of utilizing them. So I presume eggnog just came like, I, I don't know exactly what eggnog is, but I imagine it's like, hey, if we take this cow's milk and this, you know, these eggs and cream them up all together, we got ourselves a tasty beverage. Um, you heard it here first. Yeah. I mean, that's that's like how I assume most things came about. With it, with 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 milk and eggs? with yeah milk and eggs or beer i mean if you think about like how thing like alcohol was discovered you realize that people had a lot of time on their hands and not a lot of regard for their health and well-being oh for sure, for sure. yeah <laughs> okay did you have did you have like a scientific answer to that no no <laughs> okay i just figured your answer would be sufficient for the audience <laughs> anyone out there who was wondering uh, now mm -hmm. doesn't have to Google it or ask ChatGPT. They can just say, "I heard once on a podcast that it was just some some person got some milk and some eggs and mixed it together." And yeah, I imagine use happened. that that butter churn, you know, like that you'd have to do this on. For those listening, uh, Joel is engaging in some very inappropriate hand movements. Yes, you know, I mean, there's a reason that I think that butter churn was the entertainment of, you know, pre-colonial or our colonial America. Uh, very entertaining to watch. So yeah, uh, I guess so. Are you <laughs> suggesting that like colonists would go and watch like some lady in a barn churning butter? It's like instead of going to like an adult theater. Well, they they probably didn't have adult. You'd have to go all the way to the big city of sin of, of New York City to have seen anything risque back in those days, or the carnival would have to come through town. Uh, and you'd have to go to the like shows. Definitely not a historically accurate episode thus far. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's we a, don't research on Christmas episodes. We just go shoot from the hip. Yeah. So I mean, you. I mean, I think. I mean, it's often stated that the the most exciting, explicit, you know, sites to be seen were probably the procreation of the barnyard animals. 
that was the education you got. Well, you're saying that instead of the education system, they would just go outside and watch animals having sex. Yes, basically. <laughs> uh, Many I such really cases. You were on a drunk history episode. <laughs> I, we can make our own drunk history. You know, drunk history has ended, but why should it? We we could totally do an episode that was drunk history. I would be. Down I would for love that. for us to do drunk. How is it made? <laughs> <laughs> all right so you see you get some eggs and you just put them into that little butter churn thing they go mm, with mm, and then you put the milk in as well so it gets all creamy for you for and those listening joel <laughs> is back to the inappropriate hand movements and he's added some inappropriate facial expressions mm-hmm. if you just listen to the show you are missing out you should definitely go to youtube.com look up megamoth studios podcast subscribe to our show and watch the episodes unless um, you value your sanity Ever dreamed of embarking on legendary quests, unlocking hidden secrets, and discovering untold riches? Dive into the world of X, Seekers of Fortune. It's the game that's soon to be taking the internet by storm. Sign up today at xseekersoffortune.com and start your journey to greatness. Remember, fortune favors the bold. See you there. So why don't we go ahead? I'll get to my second question, which is actually our first user submitted question. Now, this was submitted on our Discord server. You can find that on the X Seekers of Fortune Discord. Um, and it Love was submitted by Nomadic Games, which is Kia, which we met Kia at PAX Unplugged. A wonderful person. She has a great game uh, in the making. Uh, we're really looking forward to helping her develop that. Um, but her question is, what made you create the game, you know, X Seekers of Fortune, and what was your inspiration behind it? Danny, would you like to start with the answer, and I'll just fill in if there's anything I think you missed? Sure, yeah. Um, you know, I think I wanted a creative project in my life again. I spent a lot of time in my 20s uh, being creative specifically with um, – with filmmaking and I enjoyed the aspect of filmmaking I enjoyed the most was just the collaborative aspect. The fact that you're, you're not working in isolation. Um, I'd spent most of the last decade writing a, a science fiction novel in isolation. And as much as i enjoy it, it's, it's not, <laughs> it's not collaborative. Um, and you know, I, I had been playing a lot of magic, but there weren't a lot of people in my life that I could get to play magic with me. So I was like, you know, I, I I want to try to make a game that makes gives me the like nice magic itch scratch feeling um, while also being something that I feel like I could get my brother to play with me, get my my parents potentially to pay with play with me. Um, and so then I just kind of started thinking about like what would a game like this look like and you know what kind of games could I get them to play with me already? Uh, and then from there it just kind of started piecing together. I've been really interested in ancient history and lost episodes in human history. So that inspired me to kind of start thinking about what a game about recovering lost knowledge might look like. And then I sent Joel a text message and now we're making a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. We're amongst many different ventures. So, I mean, yeah, these things can snowball if you don't let them, if you let them get out of control and, uh, you know what? But we're also, you know, like any men in our 30s who have other, you know, maybe don't have as much else going on. A podcast was in our future, I think, regardless. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, we actually have something going on in, in our game. 
The only other thing I would add to that, or not the only other thing, was that, you know, we were looking, I think, to make a game that we could play together. I think, like Danny said, he wanted to make a game that he could play with his his parents, his brother, eventually his sons. Um, but uh, I think when he came to me, like, if I figured if we could make something fun that the two of us could play together and it was our game and, and brought us back to the table, because I wasn't really in a place where I wanted to pursue playing Magic much further... And that was like the big game that we played together. Um, I was I felt like having so, like a clean slate to play a similar game with each other would be really fun. So that was a big inspiration for what made us create the game. Um, and the inspiration, I guess, behind it. I mean, as we moved on uh, forward with the game making process. I mean, and it's it's one of those things. I'm glad that we've been doing the podcast. We can go back and listen to the records, and I can check my notes, but. The big thing for me was I wanted to, if we were going to be making a game, I, uh, thematically I wanted to get away from, you know, your traditional fantasy. But, you know, we, we settled on the, what we call, I guess the, you know, for lack of a better word, the Indiana Jones style adventure serial is what we sort of like, you know, gravitated towards when we started getting outside the fantasy realm. And I think the reason for that is it's like fantasy but in a way that you, it hasn't been done to death. It's not swords and sorcery. It's like the fantasy of the modern age. Like you said, finding old knowledge and, you know, the dangers that come with, you know, searching these ancient tombs for old secrets. Thank you. I, I would say if, if you want a, a more in-depth um, background, I think in our second episode, which is the part one of our origin story, we probably talk at greater length about uh, mm-hmm. the preconditions for the game and, 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 and our thinking at the time. And I'm glad that we recorded those podcasts. I mean, one of the reasons that we, we started the podcast was in addition to wanting to, you know, get X seekers of fortune out in the world was just to kind of keep track and, and remember, have like an archive and a history of, of the journey that we were going on. And I'm glad because I, I mean, honestly, I think things are becoming foggier and foggier. We've been doing this for over a year now, not the podcast, but the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when did the podcast start? May? I, guess I think at the June. very beginning of June. I think we, we it was like a week after or something like that uh, of us coming back from Comic Palooza. So I think it's the first week of June, if I remember and correctly. And now this is the 25th episode, assuming that it actually airs, which <laughs> I have no reason to believe that it won't, but won't be the first time that an episode didn't air. No, I mean, if my edge comes across as much as it should, I mean, it might be too hot for YouTube. Um, yeah, just but so I, I completely agree, Danny, though. I think we're getting to a place where uh, the amount of information that is coming in is starting to override our previous memories or at the very least convolute them and con- consolidate them. So, yeah, we really when we first started the podcast, it was a great time for us to lay everything out. So go back, listen to episode two through I want to say two and three definitely cover the origin stories of X Seekers of Fortune. And we've come so far since then, too, that we could even probably recap what has happened since those episodes, maybe near the beginning of the year. Um, Okay, so that was Kia's question. So that means it is time for you to ask me another question. All right, I've got a question for you. If you could create one Christmas tradition that everyone had to abide by, what would it be? Everyone had to abide by. That is... (laughs) This is a, a, a forced Christmas tradition. This is oh. a tr- tradi- tr- Christmas tradition that you would be forcing on a global population. 
of the, um, I mean, part of me is like, I could go like, I feel like there's a, just like our game. I feel like there's a noble answer and a ruthless answer potentially here. You know, one that's very self-serving and one that could serve the other people. And I don't want to come across as too much of a goody two shoes. So I might go more with my ruthless answer. You know what, you know, I think, I mean, it sounds really, really silly, but I think I would prescribe everybody to have the Christmas Eve diet of watching a version of The Christmas Carol. We'll get more to that later. And It's a Wonderful Life. I think everybody should have to, like, you know, just re realign and watch those and know that everybody watches those two things. Because I do think we, we are starting to lose the monoculture. And I know that has its benefits in terms of, you know, niche um topics becoming something that you can just you know we have a platform because there's not a monoculture you wouldn't have uh, a show about games and game creation in the you know uh three network era but i do think we still need some uh what would you say um uh, media uh milestones or cornerstones to our media diet that everybody should all, all agree upon to so we all have points of reference and i think those two movies or the, the Christmas Carol story and uh, It's a Wonderful Life are really wholesome, wonderful Christmas and um, uh, stories that we can all kind of gather around, like a warm campfire. Yeah. <clears throat> do you, I do like you a have good a good warm campfire? Yeah. Do I have one? Yeah, sure. Uh, I think everyone should be obligated to plant a Christmas tree in their living room. Plants? Yeah. Like okay. Get on in there with a shovel and let the roots mm -hmm. take. I mean, uh, chopping down trees is so passe. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's plant some trees. How about that? Yeah, like plant a tree. It's That's like a we're Christmas going to, miracle. Yeah, we're going to plant it on our, our when, when you have a child, maybe. You have a child, you have to plant the tree in your living room. And then by the time, what? how long do you think it takes a good Christmas tree to grow? Probably like five a thousand years. years. A oh, thousand. Five years, yeah. I don't know. I, we, no research on today's episode. But, but you yeah. know. Yeah. You know, by the time they're able to have the first Christmas they remember, that tree will have matured, and you can, uh, you know, and you can keep it year-round. Yeah, part you of the don't family. Have to chop it down, you just, you know, you, you just make room for it in the roof, and mm -hmm. yeah, just completely, it. completely, uh, you know, um, take away the structure, structural integrity of your house for this tradition. Think of all the money you would save not having to buy a Christmas tree every year. Uh, yes, yes, man. I feel sorry for everybody's foundations in your world. So um, let's bring it back over here. I got another one of my Christmas-themed questions for you, Danny, which is okay. pretty pretty simple, but also you know maybe a little maybe a little nostalgia, maybe bring up some good memories, maybe bring up some sour memories. But what was Love the that. most what was the most memorable <laughs> gift that you ever received, specifically for Christmas? So let's let's count out birthday gifts. I think probably when we were kids, we got like a TV with a VCR combo. And I think we were probably like 10 or 12 at the time. And in the 90s, getting your own TV, especially with a VCR combo, was like a big deal. And I mean, this screen was probably like, I, I, don't, I don't even know. I don't, I don't even want to begin to. 13 Maybe inches, a little maybe. larger than a, yeah. I mean, a little bit larger than an iPad screen, maybe. Maybe uh -huh. smaller than a laptop screen. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I Still don't know. Weigh 50 it was pounds. <laughs> easily, easily. Mm -hmm. uh, but man, we we watched so many, so many movies. 
Uh, my brother and I would, would every single night would pop a VHS in and just, you know, same same movies over and over and over again. We went through phases. You know, sometimes it was Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Sometimes it was Indiana Jones. Sometimes it was Return of the Jedi. Sometimes it was baseball documentaries. Uh, yeah. We, You're big just, on the Ken Burns one, right? I do. I do enjoy a good Ken Burns documentary, Baseball by Ken Burns, mm-hmm. and I also love the Civil War documentary. Um, highly recommend. Highly recommend the uh, Civil War documentary and the baseball documentary. Yeah. Oh, maybe we can. Maybe we can find a way of getting um, me to watch that documentary here soon enough. But. Um, What's your I, favorite I, gift? What you know, memorable I, gift? I'm trying to see. That's the thing. I'm trying to remember. I'm. I'm not a. I like to say I'm not a very materialistic person. I'm sure people could argue with me. So. Uh, Vain, but not materialistic. I would say. Uh, yes, yes, very, very much vain. I'll take that. I mean, okay, I'll, I'll give this one. If I don't come up with a better one that's a little bit more of a sweet gift, I'll tell you about this one, which I, I think highlights my turn away from materialism. One year I remember, and this was the year I was really, really waiting at the tree. Like I went to my dad's house. It was post-divorce. I went to my dad's house like five days before Christmas and he had the Christmas tree set up with all the gifts. And I'm just sitting there like I was a gift hound. Like this was like, you know, uh, just the biggest day of the year for me besides my birthday. And I was just ready for new stuff to come into my life. And, you know, it just, it's just teasing me the entire time. You know, these days I'm basically counting down. It's like, you know, just elongating every day because I'm just thinking about the time until I can open up the gifts and then Christmas Day, I open up the gifts, and I mean, it's a, I mean, it's impressive what my dad got me. He basically got me, I think, the entire lineup of the Power Rangers series up until that point. And, you know, it, it was one of those things. In retrospect, I think I realized I got, I opened the gifts. I was like super excited about having them. I opened them up. I start playing with them, and then by that afternoon, you know, the classic syndrome of. I was already like the, the excitement was already you know gone. I was already kind of just seeing these as other toys in my collection. Nothing too wild. I wasn't like it didn't change my life. And I think it was like that kind of experience that made me realize you know start making me realize that I didn't really care about those sorts of things. So uh, does my roommate need to be let in? I guess she left without the key. This episode of the Super Secret Podcast is brought to you by Remembering Your Keys. When you leave your house, if you don't have your keys, you're going to have a hard time getting back in. So remember your keys. I think I can, I think I can balance that out with another gift from my dad. Sorry, mom. I do apologize. I, I'm just not totally remembering any uh, specific gifts uh, from, from my childhood uh, from my mother. <laughs> I do apologize. Uh, but so the opposite of that would have been the year that we got the Nintendo 64. I think it was the first year it came out. I heard my stepmother actually went to the store and stood in line like at three o'clock in the morning to get it. This was a big deal. You know, it stayed at my dad's house. So my stepbrothers also got it. So it was like a big family gift that we could all indulge in. You know, talk about monoculture. We all got to play the same games together. Um, And that one definitely was worth its weight in gold because I thoroughly destroyed Super Mario 64 in terms of I collected all 120 stars in that game over the course of, you know, a few visits, a few, you know, a few times going. So I, I would say that, that that gift really settled into my memory and became a core 
piece of my personality. And I would argue, you know, Nintendo game design is something I always go back to when I think about how we can design games. Uh, they are they are basically my guiding lights, uh, uh, Miyamoto and the whole crew over there. So, yeah, I would say the most memorable in a positive way was definitely the Nintendo 64. That's a good one. I remember getting our Nintendo 64. We, we enjoyed quite a bit of Nintendo 64. We played a lot of um, wrestling games on mm-hmm. uh, Nintendo 64. Those were always those were always fun. Every now and then, a, a little SmackDown is a good time. <laughs> yeah, well, we had the it was the classic uh, uh, hockey game that had a fighting mode, and so that was Ooh. like how my stepbrother and I would and our family would get into the fights in the early days when the limit when there was limited selection. But it basically like every weekend that I would go over to my dad's place, my stepbrother and my brothers would stay up, and we would play like. Uh, like GoldenEye 64, Bomberman 64, and you know, like Mario Kart. We, we just it was like guaranteed. We would we would play those games over and over again. Probably because my stepbrother was so good at them, he knew he could trounce us. But it was nice. still a big, you know, big wonderful, you know, time. It, it really seared itself in my memory. And of course, then 64 gave gave way to the the era of GoldenEye, which was some of the best land. We played GoldenEye on LAN, right? Or was it a different kind of way of connecting? Well, uh, I think Halo was what was the first game you could do LAN, which, you know, LAN means like, you know, you have multiple consoles all connected together. So you could exceed the amount of players per console. Uh, GoldenEye couldn't do that, but still it was the first time you could have like a four player free for all because uh, they had the four controller slots instead of just two. So it was still like the first like big multi big for the time multiplayer game. Now, you know, we consider big to be like a hundred players playing a battle royale style uh survival. But back then, four people, that was that was too much for you to contemplate. You had to think about three other people while you were on that map, you know, where they're gonna come at you from. There was a time GoldenEye was the pinnacle of fun. <laughs> yes. I mean, and it was a it was a reigning champion for a long time. I think basically it was only usurped by Halo, and Halo was quite a few years later, if I remember correctly, like two thousand two thousand one. I don't so, remember, but I do remember Halo. Yeah, I remember. Like one of my first memories with you actually was you invited me over to your uh, dorm to play Halo Two with your roommates. Yeah, hey Zeus. Yeah, we mm-hmm. would sit in there. Those were the early days. I mean, because mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's interesting, right? Like. Uh, we're in our, we're in our late thirties now, um, mm-hmm. and when we met, we were eighteen. I yeah, think, eighteen, right? nineteen, something like that. Yeah, I think eighteen because I think I I think that we met our freshman first year semester. of college within the first month or so. Right? Yeah, that's true. So mm-hmm. two thousand four. Next year will be twenty four. Will be twenty years. <clears throat> Holy smokes. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how well. I, w- I would love to know what our 18-year-old selves would think about how we aged. Okay. Also, like, how surprised would they be that we're still friends 20 years later? I I don't. I mean, I would probably be surprised because I never really had friendships that lasted, you know, this long. Like, you know, I only have well, one other friend that I could say is I'm still in contact with that's, like, beats you. But, yeah, yeah, for the most part, like, you know, usually my life turns, like, when, when people move or take new careers or do things like that, that's usually, like, when I say sayonara and, you know, they, at this point, become Facebook friends, you know. But I imagine, uh, like, the, the last, the ending of uh, Harry and the Hendersons, and you're just, like, throwing hamburgers at them and, like, f- shooing them off into the woods. <laughs> yeah. Do, do that to someone? <laughs> um, 
you know, uh, probably maybe not so, uh, maybe not so dramatically, but I'm sure I've had some people that I've had to, you know, give the old yeller or well, not the old yeller treatment, <laughs> never mind about that, but possibly a knowing cold shoulder to, you know, kind of several things. Did you just things. cop to, to offing some, some people? They, Danny, they were rabid. I, you know, couldn't have them in our culture. You know, they just, you just got, so a, a man got to do what a man got to do. <laughs> talking about, you know, we had to give Will a little holiday beep action. Yeah. So, um, oh, those are pretty, you know, that definitely stirred up the nostalgia for me. I'm starting to feel a little bit more of my old Christmas joy, but I'm going to fight that with a little bit of edge coming in, you know, because yeah. there, I guess, I guess there is no God and existence is meaningless. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's definitely bring on the edge lord today. Also, these sweaters are so hot. <laughs> yes. We got it. This might be a short one because we're just going to be rushing through to uh, near the end. So let's get to the next question, shall we? Now, this one came from our good friend, Andy, uh, one of the people that we've met and really started to bond with over uh, uh, through X Seekers of Fortune. And I'm really grateful that he's in our lives. If I were to, uh, Mikey, you just want to be hotter and hotter. Uh, but uh, Andy had a two-part question. So I'll start one, one followed by the other. Um, so what are some of your bucket list slash milestone achievements that you hope X Seekers of Fortune will bring you? Um. I think for me, the number one thing is just feeling like I've contributed something to society and culture that uh, means something to other people. Mm -hmm. Like, I think one of the most meaningful things you can do is feel like, hey, I'm, I made something that generated X amount of happiness mm -hmm. in the world or joy in the world. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think just seeing that, I mean, we, we were already starting to see glimmers of it, I think. Um, but like that, that first time you sit and just watch someone, just have a good time because of a lot of effort you put into creating something. I mean, that's a great feeling. Um, so I think, I think that's first and foremost. Um, I think getting the opportunity to develop a wide variety of games and not just card games or, or tabletop games, but really get into video games, getting into augmented and virtual reality, really pushing the envelope on a bunch of different uh, genres and, and mediums and, and then getting into storytelling, you know, through all kinds of different formats. I think the, those are, are big things. Seeing a, a competitive organized place um, system pop up around the game, I think that would be big. And, and then just having an opportunity to kind of go around the world and, and meet people and, and, and just, um, I don't know, just feel like, you're you're living a life that is uh you know of, of your own making you know there, there's it, it's a grind it's a lot of hard work but i mean there's a lot of agency involved and i think um it's sometimes it, it's easier to work 120 hours a week for yourself than it is to work 40 hours a week for someone else i 100 percent agree with that and we're starting, we're just now starting to see, you know, the benefits of, of this kind of, you know, game and lifestyle. It really hopes that it becomes self-sustaining. Uh, I just put down two bullet points myself and I think you kind of covered both of them and what you said, but essentially uh, a big bucket list and milestone achievement would be if X Seekers of Fortune allows us to make a second game, which we do have tentative plans for. I, I know one that I really want to get to that might be a little bit uh, lower, what should I say? like a little bit less uh, in 
I don't want to say involvement, but upfront investment of, you know, design and art, you know, I, maybe a, a little bit stripped down. That's the word I'll use. So make a second game would be awesome. And then if this makes me enough money to buy myself a house, <laughs> that would be really good. If I could, if I, if, uh, if Mega Mall Studios can turn into something where I can actually, you know, kind of like start, you know, uh, saving money and investing in my life and creating a life for myself and I can get out of the apartment living that would be pretty good. So I think you answered a few of the second, the follow-up questions uh, as well, but how do you both personally define success for X Seekers of Fortune? Uh, did you want to elaborate on that at all? I have three tiers of success myself. Yeah, I mean, I think the initial tier we've already achieved, which is just making a game um, for ourselves. I think the next tier is, is just kind of making a game that other people enjoy. Um, and, and that the game becomes self-sustaining. I think for me, that's, that's kind of where that last, like, like I would say I, f I consider the game already to be a success from a personal standpoint. What I hope for the game in terms of success is that maybe in a few years, Joel and I could conceivably even walk away from X Seekers of Fortune, turn it over to, you know, other interested designers that have, you know, a, a, a true enthusiasm for the game and a proven track record of, of pleasing um, our player base and, and feel like that the game had outgrown us. It didn't need us to be around to shepherd it anymore. It was its own thing and um, that it was going to continue with or without us generating joy and happiness for people. I would say that I, I do hope that no matter what, that it, the, the economic model around it remains ethical. I don't mm -hmm. know how I would feel if I saw it become something that I felt like was predatory. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I think fortunately with the the setting that we've set up, we can hopefully, um, <clears throat> sorry, hopefully we'll be able to maybe round out the storyline of the characters that we invented and invested into the game and then, you know, hand over this broad like setting to new people to create their own characters and their own storylines for uh, much, maybe much in the way that doctor uh, you know uh, how new showrunners and new actors will step into the doctor who universe and you know turn that into their own like uh, playground for telling stories uh, just maybe without the centralized doctor character but but still, well, we can see where that can go and you know we still have a long time to get that all set up for handing off the game to somebody else. Um, my personal levels of success uh, define success. So low level success was have other people to play with, which mm -hmm. arguably we already have kind of achieved. Um, just give so. me one second. Just want to confirm. Okay, cool. Still recording. Um, but you know, uh, I think that. But the, it'll be great when I can go into a gaming store and ask somebody if they want to play X Seekers of Fortune, and they enthusiastically say yes, not even knowing that I'm the creator, but just because they're already a fan of the game and are ready to play. Um, and the mid-level, I would say, well, this I mean, technically, this is probably more than mid-level, but once we get to my high level, you'll see. But being able to sell a decade's worth of product, I think that goes into the idea of like us being able to shepherd this game for a time, I'm, I'm projecting about, you know, like, you know, about the same amount of time that you would run a TV, a successful TV show for if it really hits the ground running. You know, most, I think most of the great TV shows, you know, roughly, you know, the better part of a decade. Um, 
unless they were intended to be short run, but I'm thinking of like American models, like, you know, The Sopranos, um, Friends, you know, most of the great sitcoms, uh, most of the great dramas. So, uh, you know, if I can, if people score (laughs) I think that's been running a little bit longer than a decade. Um, but yeah, if I can get to like 2034 and be like, I think I'm, I think I've said everything I can say with X Seekers of Fortune. Uh, I, I would be pretty happy. And then the high level success beyond making just a game, making X Secrets of Fortune the shonen anime. You I know. would be so into that. Yeah. Um, I, I was just listening. I, I sent you a link last night, and may, I, we should probably include it here, uh, maybe in the show notes. But I sent you a uh, guitarist who was just playing a solo, like a, a funky metal solo. And so when good. I was listening, yeah, when I was listening to him, I was like just imagining like the, uh, like I said, the shonen style anime with like the camera zooming past characters who are, you know, standing in fields with the wind blowing and running across the screen. I was just uh, picturing our all of our characters, you know, in uh, the, the intro to that, uh, listening to that guitar solo. Oh yeah, I'm I'm in for the shonen anime, you know, you know, some some spry spry young uh, fortune seeker who promises to be the greatest fortune seeker of all time. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, we might have to come up with uh, even, you know, a new story and new characters for that version of the story. Uh, I think we would, Joe. Okay. So, Danny, do you, uh, I think it's your turn. Do you have another Christmas present sure. for me in the form of a question? If Santa has a questionable vice, what would it be? Well, I mean, you know, if we're looking at the, the deadly sins, I mean, gluttony would be the first one po- most people would expect to be it to be because you know at least the modern santa is depicted as a portly man and you know he's got all those milk and cookies but he also is he's a kind of a glutton of um you know goodwill so yes but i guess i guess the uh the other side of the coin is that he could be quite slothful you know the idea that santa only works you know one day out of the year as though as people say but as you know, with product launches, as we know now with product launches, uh, that w- making one magical day of the year kind of requires 364 days to get prepared for it. Do you think he pays the elves? I mean, um, I think he, uh, with, with cheer and jeer and magical mystery, he pays the elves. There's not like any collective bargaining at the North Pole. I think Probably. It's like- I mean, why did Herbie want to be a dentist? To escape, you know, to create his own life for himself. And what was what was he? He was ridiculed for wanting to build his own life with his own skill. No, you must be part of the system. Are you talking about Herbie, the Volkswagen? No, Herbie wants to be a dentist uh, from Who's? from uh, the Rudolph Red Nose Reindeer. Oh, I thought you were talking about the love bug thing or whatever that was. Wasn't there like a car named Herbie at some point? Um, yes, you, something like Herbie. Uh, but yeah, you're right. The love bug, and I could be getting the elves name wrong. Uh, maybe it's Hermie. I just know Who knows? My, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer is one of my stepdad's favorites, and he quotes that line all the time. You know, Hermie wants to be a dentist, uh, so he can correct me. Joe, Joe, leave a comment uh, if you if it, it's just down below while you're watching this on YouTube. Just bo- scroll down. You can leave a comment and remind me who that elf's name was. And let us know in the comments as well if the listeners would like there to be more stories about cars becoming dentists. I would like to see how the teeth extraction works. Pixar, call me. I've got Cars 5 for you. <laughs> they, hey, those those cars have teeth. You have to imagine there's a, a, a dentist uh, in, in their ranks. 
Um, I apologize. I have to get back up because I think there's a alarm going off somewhere in my room. I think my other phone turned on and is alarming. So I just want to turn that off so I can concentrate on what we're saying. This episode of the Super Secret Podcast is brought to you by additional phones and uh, poorly timed alarms and leaving objects in the other room. Wait, so we, uh, uh, you asked me what was Santa's vice. Did you have a thought on Santa's vice? Uh, I mean, I, I, I guess forced labor. <laughs> <laughs> no ethical consumption under Christmas joy. I feel like it's like the equivalent of like, you know, it's like you're like, oh, look at me. I'm a really nice person. I'm going to feed the poor. But then you find out they're like feeding them like people. You know? Yeah, it's you know, it's like oh, I give toys to the whole world that I make with my 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 elves that are are working with uh, dubious mm-hmm. consent. Yeah, and are bullied out of pursuing their own dreams and autonomy. Yeah, by... I mean, I don't even know what else an elf can do in the world anymore. Is there mm. other places where elves can go now, or is it all the North Pole? I I mean, I think that I mean, according to the Will Ferrell movie, they can go to New York. And work in a toy oh, yeah, shop. Yeah, I guess that's true. I'm yeah. surprised you don't see them in the South Pole. Maybe the penguins ate them all. Well, maybe we can do an uh, investigation. Go to the South Pole, see if we can find some. We elves. are definitely doing that. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm so su- I'm super into going to the South Pole. Yeah. Okay, Danny. I think I have another question here for you. This one okay. was. Oh yes, this was one of mine. I'm going back, so I'm flip flopping between user submitted and my own questions. This is a Christmas question. What components make up the perfect Christmas day to you? What components make up the perfect Christmas day to me? Yes. I think opening presents with children. I don't Mm -hmm. necessarily need to open presents, but I enjoy opening presents in the presence of children, having a stocking, there being a Christmas tree, some sort of morning breakfast, lots of Christmas music, family, Family is very important. And just feeling like it's just a day of being together and spending time together. I mean, that's that's basically it. Um, that That's Christmas in a nutshell for me. I can't. I, I mean, I, I can just give you a hell yeah, brother, on that one. I can't really think of much to add to it. I mean, I would like to have my little guy with me this year, Winston, but I don't know if he's up for traveling. Um, and she had a baby Bjorn and just... Yeah. Oh, now the last time I traveled with Winston in a car, I had a cat carrier and somehow he still managed to get out of it. And I was so worried that he was going to get under the pedals. Uh, And I was just traveling across town, let alone, you know, across, you know, uh, uh, from city to city in Texas. I mean, the only other thing I could think to add would just be a good meal. Like it should be second Thanksgiving, basically. You should get a Mm -hmm. big old plate of food. What kind of food do you like? On Christmas? I mean, Christmas is, you know, I guess uh, something something beefy. I feel like I'm, I'm not, I try to avoid red meat most most of the year, but I feel like Christmas is a very beef-centric. Like a stew would really go well on Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah, that would be Yeah, Christmas it. stew. Mm. Oh, now I'm hungry. I didn't yeah. eat too much today. Made of candy canes. <laughs> Candy canes uh, do. 
closing the door to treats though i think that's a big thing for christmas day you know you, treats just sneak in from like thanksgiving through christmas day and you, it's hard to not eat them but you have to say okay going on a treat diet that's at least that's my opinion i'm only gonna eat treats that's all it's a treat diet i can only <laughs> eat treats yeah all right so danny do you have another question for me i believe you said you had 10 total so I do. I'm just trying to decide how many of these I'm actually going to get to. Uh-huh. Um, okay. What would your ghost of Christmas future be warning you about? Lung cancer. Fair. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that, uh, I hate to, you know, I hate to be so dark, but I do have some vices. Uh, you know, Santa Claus isn't the only one with vices and, uh, I am unfortunately a smoker and I probably drink a little bit more than I should trying to, you know, batten down the hatches as I'm approaching my 40th birthday. But I think that, uh, if, if I were to go off the, the, the deep end, it would probably be like, you know, uh, you know, fully succumbing to those vices and overdoing them or not quitting in time. So, yeah, I think that would be it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a good one. <laughs> At least I'm self-aware. I'd, I'd give you that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like Danny. that about you. Well, thank you. Hmm. What would what are you? What would he? What are your? What would your ghost of Christmas future be warning you about? It's starting a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maintaining a podcast. Once you start, you just can't stop. And but we're now 25 episodes in, and I will say this: uh, not to be both to be a promise and potentially a uh, uh, I don't know a spoiler. But I figured if we got this far into the podcast, we'd have to stick it out through 100 episodes. Not saying that we're going to quit at 100 episodes, but you could probably expect at this point we should at least take it to episode 100. We'll decide then sure. if we Why keep not? going. Yeah. And we're 25% of the way there. Exactly. And it only took us half a year. Yeah. Roughly. So, you know, it takes about yeah. two years to do 100 episodes, I guess. If we do it at this rate weekly. But I wouldn't be, I mean, now the question is, are we going to start other podcast ventures before we end this one? I, I don't think I did that math on that right. Okay, go ahead. Four years. Four, four years. We don't research. We don't math. We don't do anything right on this podcast. It's the Christmas episode. So 50, we get to just KFAB, cold weather, and bundle yeah. up. Why we yeah, we get about 52 a year. Off. So yeah, I think if at this rate, uh, 24, 25... So mid twenty six would be when we would if we uh, if we're deciding it's time to call it quits we'd at least make it to twenty mid uh, two thousand twenty six. One of us will probably be in prison by then. Uh, well, you know, I, I should have said that a milestone, a milestone not necessarily for X Seekers of Fortune but Mega Mall Studios and you hear it here first. I don't think you've made it in America, corporate you know, in, in being an American corporation if you haven't testified in front of Congress. So Danny and I. Testing, testifying in front of Congress by the end of the decade is a goal of mine. I only want to testify in front of Congress if it's about aliens. <laughs> I only want to testify in front of Congress if it's about, like, you know, I don't know, um, basically. You know what? I'm, I'll leave that a mystery. I have my, I have my machinations. I might have posed your, myself your as... machinations. Is that like imagination of machinations of the future? Yeah. And machinations. Machinations. Yes. <laughs> I like it. That's a good word. Mm, Add it yes. to the lexicon. Put it on Wordle. 
Well, yes, put it on Wordle. <laughs> All right. So that was the perfect Christmas day. And then you told asked me, wait, what? I forgot how we got onto that conversation. <laughs> oh, I asked you about uh, what the Ghost of Christmas Future would warn you yeah, about. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. Oh, oh. Hmm. Don't add anything to that. I think anything else I'd add to that would probably be just too sad. Um, mm, wait, no. Muffins. That's mm. muffins. Mm, muffins. A recent addition to our Discord, I want to say, brought in by our good friend Jay Crane. Uh, a you know real name Bryant, he's uh, from TikTok. He's been joining us a lot more frequently for uh, Tuesday Night X, and he's starting to invite his people out with him. And Muffins is one of his folks, so welcome to the Discord. And we're looking Hello, forward Muffins. to playing playing some X Secrets of Fortune with you. Mm-hmm. He asked, "Would you ever consider doing serialized cards or exclusive promos or arts?" Now, yes. I, I'm kind of scratching scratch my head. We might have to come to a consensus. What, is, what do you think he means by serialized cards? So I think this is like a one ring situation. Like uh-huh. if we would do a X out of X. Um, oh. I think that we would consider doing serialized cards. I think that it would be in the future, uh, obviously, because it couldn't be in the past or mm-hmm. present. Uh, in a situation where we felt like we weren't they wouldn't be game pieces. Like we would never, let me, let me say this more clearly. They would be game pieces, but they wouldn't be exclusive game, please game pieces. This would be maybe some special art run that we did, some sort of special print run. Um, I do think we'll do something serialized sooner or later. I don't, it's, it's, we'd have to do it in a way that we felt like it was, you know, wasn't, trying to get people to spend money, you know, um, unnecessarily. I mean, obviously, if, if you're a collector, you want to spend money on, on collecting, you know, we, we would love to facilitate that. But we just mm-hmm. want to make sure we're doing it in a way that isn't like, you know, cash your check and come give it to X Seekers of Fortune. We'll give you some cards that may or may not be what you're looking for. Um, yeah. But I, I do think we'll get, I mean, we're definitely already commissioning alt art. Um, we're definitely going to have promos. We already have the first two promos announced. Mimic Map and Ancestral Dream will be promos during mm-hmm. the Kickstarter process. Yeah. Um, and, and not that those cards won't be available in other ways later, but I don't know if you'll be able to get this particular art again or um, this particular treatment. More to come yeah. on that. But yes, there will be lots of special treatments of cards coming, including serialization, most mm-hmm. likely. Yeah, I would say... Like that's just our core, uh, that's just our ethos at this point. We want to be able to make it to where you can easily get all the cards to the game. We never want the cards themselves or the game pieces themselves to be what is expensive. We just we do though want to curate to the collectors out there and doing limited run artworks for the cards, art treatments, maybe you know limited run alternate like bordering or something like that. We still have a lot to explore there. But um, so I would say yes, but not um, what would you say? Uh, what's that term? Uh, parasitically or, or predatorially? Yeah. It's probably a better term for it. Yeah, I think both is fair. I think sometimes I think sometimes you know if you do not respect the fact that your player base needs to have money in their bank account, that can be parasitic and uh, it kills the host. It's not even a good yeah. parasite. We yeah. aim to be the best parasite. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. <laughs> the you know, the type that makes you like better, like, you know, we eat your excess calories and, you know, uh, make it to where you don't gain as much weight. That's a good parasite, and right? Just just to be clear for anyone who's paying attention to these sorts of things, we are not technically claiming that playing X Seekers of Fortune will help you lose weight. We're just suggesting that it may eat your calories. Yeah. But um, this has not yet been tested. So Yeah. I think I think the first you know, the first thing that we, I mean, we, we were very optimistic about this um, a few months ago. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're hedging. We're being a little bit more cautious about making too many promises. But one of the ideas that we had is we have, what would you say, uh, f like five artists working like on our card art. Wait. Mm -hmm. Nate, Azid, uh, Melissa, Danielle. Uh, Slobodan, uh, Danielle. So five. So Daniela. we, yeah. Daniela. So we, we were really hot on the idea of it would be awesome if each one of them could do their own artwork of each card so that each artist did 30, all 36 cards and maybe have it depict the, especially the relics at different like times. Like maybe like when they were first minted, you know, when they were lost, buried in the sands, you know, things like that to tell stories. So that way you could collect a binder and have like, you know, the cards right next to each other. All, all the same, the same card, but the different artworks. Now we not, sh you know, that might be a hefty stretch goal for us to hit at this point. We're not even sure if, uh, if the time straight constraints would be there for us, but it would be cool if you could have like your Action X deck just be one of the artist renditions, so that all the cards had that same artwork finish to them. You know, because they all have their own personalities and how they do the art. A big piece so. of what we're trying to do with Executors of Fortune is is give you an opportunity to play a game that you want to play the way you want to play it. So that extends to the card art um, and treatments that you think are coolest. Uh, we want to give you options. Uh, what do your leads look like? What do your Action X cards look like in the future if that's something that people are interested in? We absolutely would love to give artists more work and commission alternate versions of basically everything. Yeah. Well, Danny, do you got at least one more for me? I, figure, I wait, have four more. Four more? That I would like to ask. Okay. Because I haven't even got to the heavy hitters. Oh, wow. Well, just so you know, I think I'm down to one more question. Did I miss one? Uh, yeah, I have one more prepared question. Do you want to ask it and then I can just steamroll you with four questions in a row? <laughs> um, or do you want to save it to the end? I, I feel like it could go either way. So why don't I just go ahead and ask my question? That way, in case it's a dud, it will we can just like sweep it to the side. Because um, it was kind of a cheeky question because I think we've had this conversation. When we were talking about what Christmas episode we could do months ago, I, I had an idea. And so my question for you is, why is Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol the best story ever written? I mean, it's not. <laughs> I, I mean, um, uh, I don't know. It, 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 it uh, yeah, makes people feel like poverty's not bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, yeah. I had a feeling it wasn't going to be a stellar question um, uh, from that end. I mean, for me, it's been. You know, it was kind of like setting myself up for a soapbox, but you know, I watch it every year with my mom, a version of it. I'm trying to find a, I, I meant to find a new version for us to watch this year, 
uh, because she, uh, her go-to is like, I think a 1950s rendition. I really need to get my history down on this. I, I would like to do, now that I'm a podcaster, I think one of my podcast uh, ideas would be just to review every version of A Christmas Carol. Um, that could be like a limited run series. Uh, and I was trying to get you to do it with me, like us just doing it year after year. <laughs> but uh, uh, do I have to watch it to review it? Yeah, you have to watch each and every one of them. Well, okay, well, I guess I'll do it. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll we'll get that set up. Can't uh, promise my eyes will be open. For me, I think just well, you you know, and I would say that for me, the idea of like reflecting upon one life, you know you know, having your eyes opened, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of certain kinds of eye opening experiences that you could do. And, uh, I feel like maybe those ghosts were, uh, could be replaced with, you know, substances that you can consume to sort of like, you know, bring your life, you know, have get yourself some perspective on your life. Uh, so I think it's almost like the proto, uh, possibly trip narrative in some ways. Um, you know, maybe Scrooge just did eat something a little, you know, moldy that set, you know, that caused him to have like a, an amazing trip one night that turned his life around. But I think just, you know, being able to reflect upon one's life and having a narrative that is about that, it's very much like, uh, it's a wonderful life, except for the difference is, is like a good man needed to be reminded that he's, he's, he is good versus Scrooge is a bad man who needed to be reminded he could be good. Um, okay. Man or duck? He's also a duck. He's also uh, Michael Caine. So he's a duck, right? <laughs> Scrooge McDuck. No. Yeah. McDuck. Yeah. yeah. I'm in for Scrooge McDuck. Can we do Ducktales? Uh, we could. We could do Ducktales. You know, and I, I almost don't want to give away the the uh, big secret, but I think actually one of the best, at least when it comes to hard hitting, uh, I mentioned Doctor Who earlier, and I want to say the first season of the Matt Smith run is the, the Christmas special is basically a doctor who, uh, Christmas Carol where he basically plays the ghost of, you know, the ghost of Christmas past, present and future, or at least enables the experiences to give the Scrooge character like their perspective. And I think it has the most hard hitting best version of the ghost of Christmas future. It, you know, just thinking about it kind of gets me a little misty, but, uh, you know, I'm sure if we do the podcast covering the, all the Christmas carols, we'll be sure to sneak in those, uh, you know, uh, the Doctor Who Christmas special. Sweet. I'm in for that. Okay. So you said you wanted to steamroll me with four questions. Yeah, I've, I've got some, some good ones coming up here. Mm -hmm. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. I probably will not answer any of these, by the way. Okay, that's fine. Does this count the as a something random, or do you have something else lined up for that? No, you can count this as a something random. That's fine with me. Okay, cool. Okay. The New World Order has kidnapped you in the middle of the night, blindfolded you, stripped you naked, and lathered you with coconut oil. They ask you one question. Assume Santa has a rare disease in which he has become deathly allergic to, milky cook <laughs> allergic to cookies and milk. A new treat must be nominated for the jolly old fellow. What is your proposed replacement treat? Just trying to put myself in the mindset, like I'm imagining a bright light shining on me. I imagine it's at first it's not bright enough, so they take out the light bulb and replace it with a brighter light bulb just to like really yeah. intensify things. Yeah. Um, they're probably, you know, suggesting to do certain mutilations to my favorite body parts. Um, Naturally. Yeah. 
I would say, you know, my favorite treat that I wish I had more often, it's like one of those things, uh, it was a favorite of mine at the theater I used to work at. We had a hummus plate with pita and vegetables. Ooh. I just loved making, you know, spreading the hummus onto the pita and then putting like, it was carrots and, and not carrots and celery and just creating like a little pita sandwich with carrots and celery and eating that with the hummus. It was delicious. And you know what? It always gave me energy. It made me feel like a million bucks coming out of it. So I feel like to get for Santa to get through his night, he'd want to have that combo. If it, if it hits him the same way it hits me, he'd be able to sustain, you know, delivering presents to every child in the world. And have some leftover energy for the collective bargaining when he gets back to the North Pole. Yeah, though, because he, he got to squash some elf, elven unions that are, you know, yeah. coming up. Uh, he has like all the he has all the uh, was it all the propaganda to make sure those elves stay nice and not on the naughty list. Yeah. Okay. I if he does layoffs, um, <laughs> lay him right, off into the Atlantic two. Ocean. Speaking of the Atlantic Ocean, a plane crashes in the ocean. Everyone aboard dies, besides you and one other person. After seventy days at sea, you wash ashore or on a remote island and vow never to eat another human again, except for under extenuating circumstances. Of all the characters in fiction, who would you most want to find yourself under the mistletoe with? <laughs> I knew you were going to answer, ask me this one. All the characters in fiction. Um, I mean, it's just like, it's like, who, who's the hottie, right? It's kind of like that. I mean, I I don't. I I would love to be able to romance a woman as, you know, both as beautiful, and as strong in character, and personality as Joan from Mad Men. So mm -hmm. I'm going to go with Joan. She nice. was, she she could hold her own. She both she still she was like she had a a, a soft emotional core. But she had definitely put her armor up, and I just love that kind of character, who, uh, that kind of woman, especially who you know knows how to you know bat off the bad negative attention and stay strong, but at the same time still has a heart. I'm definitely more of a Peggy than <laughs> myself. That's probably why we can you know coexist as as creative partners. We're going after you know different you know we are in our romantic ladies. lives. We're going after different types of partners. Yeah, that's that's accurate. You've been in a vegetative state for 250 years. When you wake up, you realize while unconscious, a cult has formed around you with its core belief being that you are an infallible reincarnation of Theodore Bundy. For the first 30 <laughs> days upon awakening, you are made to watch one video on a loop in which a miniature horse is meticulously dressed up as a construction worker and then subsequently undressed. What is the media property that has never done a Christmas special that you would love to see a Christmas special from? Well, first of all, I do want to say, Danny, uh, as somebody who's recently, uh, not to toot my own horn, but I've recently gotten through Infinite Jest through in an audio format, I will say. I didn't read it. You and David, you would probably enjoy David Foster Wallace's like non sequitur style of writing. That sounded like you just read me a passage out of Infinite Jest. Um, uh, okay. What media, <laughs> what media property ha does not have a Christmas special that I would like to see them do a Christmas special? Which is tough because almost any media property um, in America that goes past like one season usually has some Christmas episode, right? 
I mean, you know, Community had plenty of uh, multiple Christmas episodes, Christmas specials, which is a, a probably one of my favorite TV shows of all time, especially in the comedy genre. Um, I'm. <sighs> you know, it would have really been completely out of character for this show and I think it would have been hilarious and maybe I'm misremembering you might be able to fill me in but I think it would be so funny if the wire was to have had a Christmas special somewhere in its run <laughs> yeah I don't even know if they did anything during Christmas Seems I mean like a missed I'm opportunity come on Dave mm -hmm. yeah David Simon get off Twitter and get on to writing the Christmas special of the wire you owe yeah. us for something yeah Hundred yeah. percent. Watching the wire almost feels like a Christmas gift, if that counts. Yeah, I would agree. I I, I keep meaning to go back. I mean, uh, I still haven't watched all of the Sopranos, which I know I I owe it to myself to do. But I also would mm -hmm. like to rewatch the Wire. You know, what is it now? Ten years removed, at least. Yeah, yeah, I'll be into that. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Another podcast opportunity. <laughs> all right. Are you ready for your last yeah. Christmas question? Of course I am, Danny. What is the max number of cats you could imagine being in a small room with for 24 hours? Maximum number of cats, small room, 24 hours. I do want to add, not any cats that, uh, any cats not included are immediately ejected into space. Like in the world? Correct. Oh, that's unfortunate. The cat population is yeah. going to take a steep decline. Oh, wait. One more one more thing. And this space ejection happens on Christmas. <laughs> oh, my God. My friend Elizabeth is probably going to hate my answer now, like, knowing that. But trust me, like, I'll, I'll definitely make this, like, a women and children first situation and take all of my friend's cats. <laughs> I wish I knew what that number was. But knowing the consequences, how small of a room... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know, like the size of, <laughs> uh, let's say the size of the room you stay in when you're at my house. Oh God. <laughs> I, I can't imagine more than 30, so I'll just say 30 and I feel like, like that's going to be rough. Oh my goodness. That, I mean, let's, let's just do some quick math here. How many cats are there in the world? If y'all were ever wondering what it's like to talk to Danny on the phone while you're out delivering pizzas for an unnamed pizza company, major one, uh, this is like what we will get into during, you know, in between talking about like rules out uh, and uh, like card art that we need to, you know, brief up. This is uh, some of the questions that I kind of receive on a near daily um, increment. There's nearly a billion cats in the world. Your number is like a rounding error. You're basically sentencing a billion cats to death. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Joel. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a feeling the cat population, they'll instantly become an endangered species. Well, I, how about this is for quick math? How many, if, even, if, even if we're going unsafely, like... Not even all the cats survive. Like if you fill that room completely with cats, because it's it's the room you're in now, right? How many cats do you think could even fit in there? You know, Easy and not. Billion. You just have to invent a shrinker. 
that's what I would have thought of because I would I, I care about cats. I wouldn't want to see them get injected into space. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot. If we have a, a a device that can eject all cats into space, then we definitely have a shrink ray also, and that's the limit of my imagination. Clearly. So, yeah. well, also, I, why did you eat that guy? What are like <laughs> extenuating circumstances for the future that you would eat the person again? Why did you? Why did you leave yourself that opening? Some people would just be fine saying, "I'll never eat another person." You're like, "I'll never eat another person unless." There's some extenuating circumstances, <laughs> which is basically the same as saying nothing, because hopefully you're only eating people in extenuating circumstances. <laughs> well, I, I presume that I would have I would have the reasoning for that is a when I ate that person, I got a taste for people and I legitimately thought had a craving that uh, once I get back to a, a human civilization, I'm going to start finding people to eat. But B, I was thankful enough to a higher power that I said only if I'm really hungry, because I obviously got to the starving condition and I knew how bad that was. So only if I get back to that starving condition will I give into this, give into this uh, newfound craving. I won't just go around eating people for pleasure. The crazy thing is like when you landed on the island and looked at the raft, like all of the emergency food rations were intact. Yeah, but those only lasted <laughs> so long and it was kind of getting stale, you know, like. How often can you just eat, like, I don't know, what do they have, like, dried cucumbers? I don't know. No, they have, like, burrito bowls. Burrito bowls, yeah. They're dried I mean, burrito on. bowls. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's like, how many times can I have a dried burrito bowl? I really wanted to spice things up. I mean, you got to put some protein in. Yeah, you, you succeeded. Mm -hmm. All right, Danny. Well, did you have any other accusations you wanted to launch at me, or should we get into the ending of the episode? No, I think we've ruined Christmas well enough. Okay, good. I I will say that my uh, the edge alert inside of me remains. My Christmas joy is not here, not present. And that's not because, it might be because it's still like 70 degrees in Texas. I don't feel like it's Christmas if it's not like in the 50 degree like area. And it is a warm Christmas. We're going to be, I'm wearing shorts today. This is unacceptable. So, yeah. It's freaking hot. Well, I kind of have a little bit like something random for you, Danny. I thought I'd go ahead and launch this because we're not really going to have, I'm not sure if we're going to see each other. We're definitely not going to see each other before Christmas in person. And I was at the store by Christmas gifts the other day. So I thought I'd get one for you because I was inspired by one that I saw. One that I think that's going to oh. be very important. So I figured I might as well just debut it here on the podcast. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Oh, no. The, the ribbon is falling off. Let me. Put that on stick, damn you. Settlers of Catan. I can't wait. I've wanted to play yeah. that game. I know. Yeah. It's like the it's the game that we're 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 kind of ashamed we don't know better. So I figured you should we should get it and play it together. Maybe we can have your uh lady friend yeah. over and uh you know uh Curvin or some other of our folks. And I did now the, the the dirty secret is I bought this at a thrift store. Now it was it was ten dollars. <laughs> Do you see that? Is, is that where the secret I think is? That's I can't just tell. good. That's just that's just smart. Thrifting yeah. for games is is an amazing amazing thing to do. I think you did the right but thing. The one thing I can't like, guarantee is that, that it has all its game pieces. <laughs> yeah, it comes with the territory. Yeah, so we might play. You know, maybe sellers uh, a Catan. But I'm looking forward to having that. And I'll, I hope I remember to bring it next time I come down to Houston. Sounds good to me, buddy. All right. Thank you. And I'll, I'll have uh, your gift when I see you. And I will uh, also get it at a thrift store. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. That's my favorite way. Yeah. I'm, I'm a repurposed kind of person. You know what? Found this at a thrift store yep, over 10 I got years this ago. In, in the jungle in Ecuador. Oh, that's cool. That's cool to mine. Well, that's all right. Did you have, okay. oh, wait. Okay. Well, let's, let's see. There's, I think there's actually a couple of an, uh, maybe announcements or, you know, calls to action we need to make. Uh, isn't it lovely when you have to actually call them calls to action? But the first one that I want to put out there is if you're on our Discord and you haven't yet chosen a path which is either noble or ruthless, we would really yes. like for you to choose your noble or ruthless path. So if you are part of the Discord, go ahead and go to choose your path on the side and just make that selection. Uh, right now, it's not really going to mean anything. It's just a flavor thing. But we, we might we, have... Mm -hmm. I was going to say we might have maybe a noble versus ruthless like league in the future. We will. I think we'll also have some channels that'll only be visible based on whether you're noble or ruthless. So you can, you know, do a little planning with your fellow ruthless players, or if, mm -hmm. I mean, if you're if you want to be noble, fine, whatever. Well, yeah, we can we can hold courts. Us noblemen, we can hold Sounds courts. Sounds so boring, dude. Come the, to the dark know, side. Well, Coming out with me Senate. on the dark side. <laughs> you don't think the nobles have their dark side? <laughs> oh, no, they definitely do. Yeah. But, uh, but only under sides, extenuating circumstances. I think both sides have their good, their, their good side and their bad side. It's, uh, to me, I always think of it as like lawful versus chaotic in D&D &D alignment. But we don't mm -hmm. like make you prescribe to being good or evil. Yeah, seriously. Anyways, um, so that was one. And also, if you're not part of our Discord server and you're listening to this podcast, where the hell did you hear about us? But go to the Discord yeah. server. If yeah. you're listening to this podcast on anything but YouTube, we would appreciate you checking out the video sometime. Just in the last episode, episode 24, Danny and I played Cuddle on Cuddle.cards with the creator of the website, Ryan. And it was a wonderful experience. And it's actually a visual experience. So go check it out on the website. Um, and if you haven't, go to xsecretsoffortune.com and please sign up for our newsletter slash, uh, uh, what would you call, pre-register for our Kickstarter campaign. Uh, there is going to be an exclusive uh, one-of-a-kind foil card uh, for the people who pre-register. And that's going to be one of the most powerful cards that we have created for the game. So powerful, we had to take it out of the base set called Mimic Map. And if you don't know about that card, you can come to our Discord and you can play X Secrets of Fortune on our uh, tabletop simulator and we'll show you why mimic map is too too powerful to print into the, the base set i might just put it back in and just like but like not in the deck just set it on the table and like let people choose to shuffle it in you know mm -hmm. like fine you guys want to play with mimic map fine yeah play with mimic map have fun or not fun depending on what you think mimic map provides oh but it's, it's it a super on which side card. of it it's super powerful yeah um I think those are the main calls to action that we have for right now. But yeah, definitely we appreciate all your support for X Secrets of Fortune and Mega Moth Studios this past year. And we wish everybody here a very Merry Christmas, a happy, happy Hanukkah. All of these holiday festivities, we support all of them. But most importantly, have a great new year. Get those resolutions together. Danny, do you have anything else you want to add? Uh, yeah, no, I mean... Uh have resolutions that's fine but if you don't keep up with them that's also fine you know because you know not everyone not everyone keeps resolutions some people just want to have them for a little bit that's fine it's okay yeah 
Yeah. Hashtag motivation. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, well, with that, all I have to say is that this has been Danny, and I have been Joel, reminding you that you must start somewhere. So why not here? Because there's enough podcasts in the world already. Theme music by James Holden, produced and edited by William Wymore.